Thanksgiving. We have so many reasons to be thankful. Lord, we want to begin this service by just praising you for being a God who saves. And as we enter into these baptismal waters, we are reminded of that reality this morning, that you save. Lord, regardless of our age, regardless of where we have been, what sins we have committed, if we come to you repenting of those sins and believing and taking hold of the name of Jesus, your word says we will be saved. So thank you, Father, for saving Crystal. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony that she already has been and that she will be for your glory and your honor. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Crystal, and today's an exciting day for multiple reasons. One, this is her birthday. So she's getting baptized on her birthday. And it's also exciting because she is declaring publicly to her family, to her church, to those watching online, uh, that Jesus Christ has saved her. And so she has some family uh, this morning that is here. If your family will stand, where are they? Family. There you go. They're back there. This is Crystal's family. And so they're here to celebrate with her as well. You all can be seated. So Crystal came to me, I don't know, several months ago after a Sunday morning service of just tears in her eyes and said, can I talk to you? I need to give my life to Jesus. And so, you know, she grew up in the church, has been in the church for many years, uh, but just recently really felt uh, that she needed to give her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd been doing a work in her heart, and so she is going to do that this morning. So if you'll uh, turn. Uh, Crystal, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Amen, amen. That is based upon that profession of faith in Jesus Christ that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. 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 Praise God, Crystal. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Amen. amen. And he is mighty to save. Let's pray. And after we pray, the praise team is going to come and then we're going to worship together. Father God, again, we just want to worship you today. We want to celebrate you. We're going to sing here in just a few moments, Lord, 10,000 reasons. Lord, there are 10,000 reasons and more for us to praise you. So, Lord, however we came, whatever we came, whatever circumstances in which we came, whatever is on our mind, Father, we just ask that over the next hour plus that you would take those thoughts and refocus them uh, upon you. And, Lord, that we would just, as we leave this place here shortly, we would leave transformed and changed through the blood of Jesus Christ, ready to go out into this world this week of Thanksgiving and to declare the supreme reason we can be thankful is through the shed blood, through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us? Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. Stressed on his 
that forever includes it includes 2020 and forever so bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like
Good morning. You may be seated, or you can keep standing, whatever you want to do. So we get Thanksgiving. Do whatever your heart feels led to do. Well, welcome to Northside Baptist Church. Man, I love beginning services with baptism, uh, but then afterward, I don't really get to worship uh, like I normally do because I'm trying to get ready to get back out here. And so, man, I miss I miss worshiping and singing. And I was singing back there the best that I could. I hope you don't take that stuff for granted. That, man, you come each and every week ready, eager to worship, whether it's through our praise songs or our hymns. We get to sing praises to an awesome God. Amen? And he, is, he is worthy of that. He is worthy. Well, good morning. Welcome to, to Northside Baptist Church. So thankful that you are here to worship with us. It is the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning uh, in, in the message. And we're going to see some truths in First John and out of that reasons that we can be thankful this week. God is good. He is, he is gracious. He is on the throne. And we're so excited that you are here to worship with us. If this is your first time, uh, we're excited that you're here as our guest. Inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself and your family. If you could please fill that out. And there is a box out there in the foyer. Uh, if you could just take a moment and put that in that box, we would greatly appreciate it. I just want to draw your attention uh, to the part of the bulletin that says that there's no evening activities tonight or Wednesday. Just want to make sure that you understand that with the week of Thanksgiving will not be gathering. So enjoy that extra time uh, with family. And hopefully you can see we have some shoe boxes uh, up here. Uh, it, it's Operation Christmas Child season. And, and most of you have probably done this before. Some of you, maybe this is the first time that you've heard about it. And so it's really cool because kids get these boxes and they get excited about these boxes. But if the only reason that we were doing this is to give kids presents, uh, that would feel a little worldly to me. It would be like, what's the eternal significance of that? So what happens after a child gets the box? Well, we have a video that kind of explains what happens after they get the box. So check out the video. What comes after the box? At Samaritan's Purse, we've got an incredible program after Operation Christmas Child. It's called The Greatest Journey. The purpose of Samaritan's Purse is evangelism. We just don't want to just hand out a box. Children that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we want them to grow in their faith. We want to disciple them and raise up an army of young kids who can take their faith and share it with another child so that that person will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, evangelism taking the gospel to another generation. You shall love the Lord your God. So you know that you're passing God what you've learned to another person, not just keeping the knowledge for yourself. You feel love. You feel like, you know what, I'm at home. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right now. We always work through the local church. And when it's all said and done and the training's finished, these kids are going to be part of the church, going out into their communities, sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. The Greatest Journey is a great opportunity to impact the life of a child, teaching children how to share their faith with their friends and family around the world, raising up an army of evangelists who can take the gospel to the next generation.
if you could understand the one girl, it's kind of hard to, to understand what she said, but she said, you know, she's received this box and now she's receiving the greatest journey and she's learned about Jesus Christ. And she said her job now is to pass it on. It's not to keep it to herself, but to tell others about that good news. And so what I want you to know um, is as we pray for these boxes, again, not only are they getting toys and, and some pretty cool toys, uh, some kids having never received any gifts before, but they also go through the greatest journey. So they're hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and through that, we're trying to raise up disciples who come to know Jesus. So what I want to do right now is I want us to just take a moment uh, and pray over these boxes. Now, what I did at my previous church, and if it wasn't COVID 2020, we would do it as well, is we would gather around the boxes, put some hands on the boxes, and you could just be touching the person in front of you. But I feel like that's a major no-no right now in this season, all of us gathering up front. So we've done this a couple times since I've been here. Instead of actually coming up and physically touching the boxes, I'm just going to kind of ask you to put your hands out symbolically as if you were laying your hands on these boxes and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to pray for that. Ms. Emma, do you know how many boxes we have right now? All right. Awesome. Awesome. So if you haven't brought your boxes yet, uh, it's okay. You can bring them back next week. But we do need them back as quickly as possible. And if you haven't filled any boxes, take some when you leave uh, and do that this week. So if you'll just put your hands out as if you're laying your hands on these boxes uh, and let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that good news, Father, comes to us in many forms. Maybe we heard the gospel through a preacher or through a Sunday school teacher, or maybe it was in a concert or through vacation Bible school, but we heard the good news of Jesus Christ who died for us and was raised for us, and that if we would put our faith in him and turn from our sins, we would be saved. Father, some of these children are going to hear the gospel for the first time, and it is going to be through these shoeboxes. So, Father, first I want to thank you for our church and those who have filled the shoeboxes. Thank you for the ladies who worked uh, hard sewing some of these bags. What a, a, a sweet gift uh, that is, a personal touch to these boxes. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you for those who will serve in uh, these centers. We had an opportunity to do that last year, and we're doing that again here in a couple weeks. For every hand that will open the box and, and make sure the right items are in there, from those who will uh, put the boxes in bigger boxes and take them up and, and carry the boxes and put them on the, uh, the crates and, and get them ready to load the trucks. Lord, there is so much that goes into that. Father, we pray for the people who will be transporting these boxes, whether that be through plane or through boat or by truck, that will bring the boxes into these towns, give them safe travel, Father. May nothing hinder these boxes from going to the place where they need to go. Father, we're thankful for the churches, for the missionaries who are in these villages and in these towns and who have already been pouring into these kids and will use these boxes to continue to tell others about Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful for the men and women, young boys and girls who have already been transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are living faithfully in the midst of their village, in the midst of their community, telling others about Jesus Christ. Father, give us that same boldness. Father, I thank you that you are a sovereign God who is sovereign over every single box and over every single child who will receive that box. Father, put the box in the right hands. 
If there is a little girl who is praying specifically for a gift, Father, would you give her a box that has that gift in it that her heart might realize, man, there is a God. Lord, you can do all of that, and we pray you will do all of that. Father, lastly, we just thank you for Franklin Graham and and this ministry, Samaritan's Purse. I'm thankful that he has a heart for the gospel, that he understands that though we want to meet, Lord, these physical, temporary needs, we do it primarily so that they then will be receptive to hear of the greatest need, and that is the good news of the gospel. Lord, thank you again for all that you're going to do through these boxes, and one day, maybe, Father, we we will get to hear the stories personally of a life that was transformed through this box. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together.
Amen. Remain standing, if you will. Take your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. We have four verses left in this letter. We're going to look at verses 18 through 20 this morning, and then we're going to study verse 21 next week, which says, keep yourselves from idols. I thought I would preach about idolatry after you have eaten a lot of turkey and worship the turkey instead of this morning to make you feel guilty of that. So... Um, 21, it just seems like it's a, an interesting way for him just to end the letter. But, but there's a reason he does it that way, and we'll look at that next week. But we're in verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You may be seated. One person has said, the hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our blessings. The hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our blessings. We so often sing the song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. In our text this morning, John gives us three final affirmations. Some commentary said these are summary statements. And each statement begins with the phrase, you'll see it here, we know. Verse 18, verse 19, we know. Verse 20, and we know. That word we know is the Greek word oidomen. It means to possess information, 
to know about. John ends his letter the same way he began it, with certainty. Right? You remember how he begins the letter in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, where he talks about that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. He is saying, listen, we are eyewitnesses. We saw this. This is certain that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And now he ends with the same certainty. And so this morning, I want to draw your attention to these three statements. And as we see these truths... I want us to respond to each truth with gratitude and thanksgiving. So here's the first statement. Number one, we know the one who is born of God does not live in sin. Now there are several verbs that he uses here, and it's important for us to understand the tense of those verbs. He says in verse 18, we know that everyone, see that word everyone? That means there are no exceptions to what he is about to say. We know that everyone who has been born of God, that born of God, speaking of the new birth, the, the fact that we go from being dead to now we're spiritually alive, alive. Listen, it's in the perfect participle. That suggests a permanent relationship that has begun in the past with ongoing results. So you weren't just born on one day that had no lasting results. You were born again, and that impacts you. I also want you to notice the phrase, has been born of God, is in the passive tense. Meaning this is something that has been done to you. God caused you to be born again. God made you alive. This isn't something that you did. God has done this for you. Look what he says. We know that everyone who has been born of God... Look at this, does not keep on sinning. Now, is John saying that when you are born of God, you will never sin again? No. He's addressed this already uh, up to this point. And one way we know that is by understanding what tense is this verb in. Does not keep on sinning. It is in the present tense. It is indicating habitual or continuous action. It is talking about sinning as an ongoing process. A couple quotes for you. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary says this, so the statement is not that the Christian cannot fall into sin. Indeed he can and does, but he cannot continue in sin indefinitely. Look, this morning you may have found yourself having fallen into sin. You need to repent and turn from that sin. You cannot, as a born-again believer in God, keep on living in unrepentant sin. I like how John Stott words it. He says, sin and the child of God are incompatible. They may occasionally meet. They cannot live together in harmony. Listen, you will sin. Maybe you sinned on the way to church this morning. Maybe you sinned in the parking lot when you got here. Maybe you'll sin on the way home or this afternoon. You're going to sin. But when you're confronted with that sin, you understand, listen, I can't live in harmony with this sin. I need to repent of it. Listen, the new birth leads to new behavior, church. We are changed. And our relationship with sin changes through our being born again. So that's the we know. We know the one who was born of God does not live in sin. Let me call you to be thankful. 
Church, be thankful this morning that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have freedom from the dominion of sin. Amen? You are not dominated by sin any longer. Paul Tripp writes, we think much about liberty, but the liberty we desperately need is the freedom from sin purchased on the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to be free from the power of sin. And then he goes on to say this, but he who was born of God, now some people think that's talking about us, we've been born of God, others think that's a reference to Jesus Christ. I think he is referring to Jesus here, that Jesus is the one who protects us. And the evil one does not touch him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is seen as the one who keeps his disciples safe. John 17, 12 through 15. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. If you look at that, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, look at this, was to destroy the works of the devil. If Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, then that means he can certainly protect you and I from the devil and his power. He is the one who protects us. John MacArthur writes, Satan can tempt and harass the saints. Maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, Satan is tempting me. Maybe you would say, Pastor, Satan is harassing me. I feel this, this spiritual warfare right now in my life that I haven't felt in a while, and I can see it in this person's life. I can see it. He says, Satan can tempt and harass the saints as he did Job and Peter, but he can never reclaim them. He cannot reclaim you, brother and sister, because you have been born of God. Here's the reality. We aren't completely isolated from Satan's assaults. Oh, how I wish we were. And one day we will. But Satan and his minions, right, these demons, they attack. We aren't completely isolated from Satan's assaults. But this morning, we can rejoice that sin and Satan do not have dominion over us. We have victory through Jesus Christ. Be thankful for that victory. That in Christ, the child of God is given supernatural power to overcome sin and to obey the will of God. So if you are living in sin, let me call you to repent. And if you have been delivered from the power of sin, let me call you to rejoice and to be thankful for God's work in your life. Here's the second we know statement. We know that we are from God and not of this world. He says in verse 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Man, I just want to draw your attention here to the contrast in this verse. He is saying either a person is born from God, is of God, or they are lying in the power of the evil one. Notice there is not a third option. You belong to God and are a part of his kingdom, or you belong to Satan and are a part of the kingdom of Satan. And there should be a sharp line between believers and the world. And that line has become muddied. In many Christians in churches today. People should know that you belong to Jesus. People should know that you are of God. There should be a sharp contrast between you and the world. Look what he says. We know, we know that we are from God. We belong to God. We are separate from this evil world. Yes, we exist in this world. But we are not part of it. 
We are children of God. We are aliens and strangers here on earth. Our true citizenship is in heaven. You know how often you need to be reminded of that? Every day. Because I need to be reminded of that every day. I need to be reminded daily that this world is not my home. Why? Because if I'm honest, there are times that I get really comfortable in this world. There are times I get used to the world and the systems of the world. There are times, if I'm honest, I even feel at home in this world. And we are not called to feel at home in this world. Why? Look what he says. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Notice the language. And the whole world lies. Now when you see that word lies, what do you think of? It's not like you're telling a lie or you're telling a fib. That's not what he's talking about. When you think of the word lying, what do you think of? You probably think about lying down. Not lying in a standing, but lying down, right? You're resting. Maybe you're asleep. He says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world is lying down. The whole world is resting. The world is asleep in the lap of the enemy and doesn't even realize it. They're lying in the power of the evil one. Listen, there is no fighting. The world is not fighting against Satan. The world is not kicking against Satan. The world is not trying to defend itself against Satan. There is no struggling to be free among lost people who want nothing to do with Jesus. The world doesn't fight against the evil one, but embraces Satan and sin. The evil world system is hostile to God and to believers. Why do we forget that so easily? Why do we forget that lost people are not going to embrace what you believe? Like, why do we forget that? Why are we so easy to forget that we are wrestling ultimately against Satan and right these supernatural spiritual demons and powers? We're never going to feel at home here because we don't belong here. The world lies in the power of the evil one. But there's good news. And here's the good news. And here's a reason for us to be thankful. Be thankful that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been delivered from the world and the power of the evil one. Amen? You have been delivered, brothers and sisters. 2 Timothy 4.18. Listen to these words. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. And he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's good. That'll preach right there. That the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and he will bring me safely into the kingdom of God. And then he says these words, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Man, that you are going to be brought safely into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ protecting you from the evil one. And we have Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Church, we have been delivered from the world. 
We have been delivered from the power of the evil one. We no longer have to live our lives in a way that pleases the world or pleases the people of the world. We can live our lives in such a way that pleases Jesus Christ who has purchased our freedom. Number three, we know. We know the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding to know the one true God. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The Son of God has come. The very one that John says, I saw, I touched, I heard, I'm giving witness to, he has come. He is Jesus the man. He is Christ the Messiah. He is God's eternal son. He has come. That is good news. We're so often quick to point to all that Jesus has given us. But the very fact that Jesus came to begin with is praiseworthy. We can praise God, right, that that he took on flesh and came to us. That is good news. When you and I could never work our way to God, God came to us. And in his coming, John says, he has given us understanding. He has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. That we may know him who is true. That one who is true, that is God himself. We may know God. God is the ultimate reality. God is is that which is authentic as to opposed to that which is false. It always threw me for a loop when, when I was reading 1 John, why he ends it, verse 21, little children keep yourselves from idols. Like that just seems so random. He hasn't dealt with idolatry at all up until this point. And now he suddenly just says, keep yourself from idolatry. Well, when you understand verse 20, it makes sense because he is distinguishing God who is true from all that which is false. He's, he's, he's distinguishing God from true, from false, from error, for these false gods that we worship. And then he says, keep yourselves from idols so that we may know him, that we may know him. Church, we aren't blind anymore. We're not blind anymore. You know why the, why the people uh, who don't know Jesus, the, the world system, you know why it just follows Satan? And why it doesn't put up a fight against Satan? Because they're blind. They're ignorant. They don't know. And such was some of us. We once were blind. Right? We sing, I once was blind, but now I what? See. You see the truth this morning because of Jesus Christ, because he has come and he has given you understanding through the spirit of God. The scripture says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Man, remind yourself of that. Remind yourself sometimes that when people really aggravate you and like you just want to lash out at them and you want to call them names, and I'm talking about unbelievers. Don't call anybody names, but I'm talking about unbelievers here. When you want to lash out at them, you know what you need to remind yourself of? They're blind. They are blind. They are enslaved by Satan. And what they need is Jesus Christ to set them free. That's what they need. It doesn't matter how convincing your arguments are. As long as they're blind, they're never going to believe. 
But once the Spirit of God gets a hold of them, as he did me, as he has done to you, right? we become changed. We begin to see for the first time the world lies in the power of the evil one. But Jesus has come into human history, and he has awakened the children of God. And he has taken us by the hand, and he runs us back to the Father, right? He saves us from ourselves, and he sets us apart unto God. So church, be thankful this morning that we can know the one true God and have eternal life with him through Jesus Christ, his Son. He began the letter by pointing us to the Son. He ends the letter by pointing us to the Son. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they know you, and that they know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Listen, you can't be in God without being in His Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot be in God the Father without being in His Son, Jesus Christ, which makes the claims of these false teachers invalid. Because they claimed to know God, yet they were rejecting that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And John says, listen, you can't be in the Father unless you are in the Son. Acts 4.12 says this, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There are no other ways. There are no other options. There's no other religion that will lead you to salvation in a relationship with God the Father. There are no other ways. Jesus Christ is the only way. And the only way to know the true and living God is through Jesus Christ. Church, I don't want to miss that. I don't ever want to get to the point where I lose the wonder of that statement. That it is only through Jesus Christ that I can have a relationship with God the Father. I don't want to lose that. Listen, C.A. Spurgeon said this. As long as a man is alive and out of hell, he cannot have any cause to complain. Say that again. As long as a man is alive and out of hell, he cannot have any cause to complain. There's a lot we don't like about our current world, our current situation, where we are. We want 2020 to be over. Maybe 2021 will be worse. Who knows? Maybe it'll be better. But as you enter into this week, and this morning, as I was gathered with some men and we were praying, the Lord just laid a couple things on my heart. One was humility. Man, I want to be humble. And God, I want to be humble before you. As I go into this week of Thanksgiving, I want to be humble. And the second thing is I want to be grateful. I want to be thankful. Listen, as we bring this sermon to a close, let me ask you this. What do you deserve? I think maybe I've already asked you this in this series, but, but what do I deserve? Not what do you think you deserve or what do others say that you deserve, but what do we deserve? What does God's word say that we deserve? And the answer is death. What we deserve is eternal separation from God the Father in a place called hell, a real place called hell because of our sin. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin. Well, who's sin? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
For the wages of sin is death. This is all we deserve. Everything we receive besides hell is a gift. Everything you receive besides hell is a gift. Understand that. It is a gift that God has given to us. And are you glad this morning that Paul doesn't stop verse 23 with, for the wages of sin is death, period. It's not how he ends it, right? What does he say? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have life with God through Jesus Christ. We deserve hell, but God in his love and God out of his goodness sent Jesus Christ so that you may have eternal life with the Father through Jesus Christ if you would believe in him. So if you understand, church, if I understand that all I deserve is nothing but death and hell, that changes everything. Your entire perspective on life changes. I believe our perspective on, on the, in the midst of COVID would change if we just understood all we deserve is de- death and hell apart from Jesus Christ. But you have been given a gift, the greatest of gifts, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you know that salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ? Do you know that you belong to God? Do you know that you have a relationship with the one true God? And do you know that as part of being born again, that means you can be delivered from the power of sin, right? the penalty of sin, and one day from the very presence of sin? Church, as we enter into this week of Thanksgiving, let me just challenge you to be thankful. And let it start with Jesus. Start with Jesus, and out of that, Live this week marked by gratitude and thanksgiving because all you deserve is hell. Count your blessings this week. Name them one by one and worship him. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and and bow your head. We're going to sing a song uh, in just a minute. I changed the song this morning. Uh, On the way here, I heard Shane and Shane singing a a song about turning our eyes to Jesus. And so we're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, in just a moment. Um, Look, the the altar is always open. I may not be standing here in front, but if you want to come and and get on your knees and pray, pray for a spouse, pray for your children, pray for your own heart, pray for our country, whatever it may be, you always have the freedom to come and pray. But I'm just going to ask you, because in just a few minutes, we're, we're going to walk out of this building together. We're not coming back tonight. We're not coming back Wednesday night. We're not going to gather again before Thursday. And I just want to challenge you one more time to turn your eyes to Jesus and keep them on Jesus. And when you do that, I think you will see that the things of the world will grow strangely dim and Christ will become more clear to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for removing the scales from my eyes so that I can see you, Jesus. Thank you for removing this heart of stone that was dead to you in the things of God, and you replaced it with the heart of flesh. Thank you for giving me the the Spirit of God that convicts me and, and is transforming me and changing me. Thank you for the grace that never gives up on me. 
the mercies that are new every day. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. And help me, O God, as I live in this world, as we work in this world, as we have to maneuver through the things of this world. Help us to live for Christ, which means we will never feel at home here. We will always be sojourners. We will always be outcasts. But may we embrace that because, Jesus, you have given us your life. You have given us a resurrection. You have given us eternal life. And you have given us blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And so help us to turn our eyes to you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's just worship together as we close out our service. remain standing and I just want to uh just to praise God for a moment we still have some some men up here just praying for our church and for you but I want to I want to praise God uh for just a moment we ask you to pick up some tags 
uh, last week for, for bridging the gap, and every single one of those tags is gone. You guys did that in one Sunday, so praise the Lord for that and your, your willingness to serve. Praise God for that. Just again, look over the announcements. There's several things that are going on. We begin our emphasis next week for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, our week of prayer will be next week, and then we'll have videos every Sunday as well that highlight and focus on some of our missionaries. Our Deacon of the Week is Ryan McMichael, I believe. So Ryan, if you'll come and close us with a word of prayer. Uh, have a blessed Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, be safe. Uh, enjoy whatever time you may have with your family. That may look different this year. But above all, wherever you go, man, give, give God the glory. And be a living testimony to God's grace in your life through Jesus Christ. Ryan, will you close us with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this time to gather together in your house, Lord. Lord, thank you for salvation through Jesus. Thank you for the free gift that he gave us through his death in our place, Lord. Lord, help us to be the example to this dying world of that, that we would truly be showing your light, that we would be that city on a hill, Lord. Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for just all that this church means to us and to our community, Lord. Lord, do ask that you work through these shoeboxes up here, Lord, that that not just as a shoebox, but each of those shoeboxes represents a kid, Lord. That a kid that will be hearing your word, that they'll be hearing your salvation. Just work in those children that somehow through this that they would come to know you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this time of Thanksgiving in our country that we do hopefully get to turn some attention back towards you and just all that we have to be thankful for, Lord. Lord, thank you for just the amazing blessings that you have given us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.